Hello out there and welcome. My name is Sharon Froshen. I am the Chief Operating Officer of the Discover Your Path U platform where we believe that every life can teach and everyone can grow. To that end, I am also the host of this show, The Connection Sessions, where we bring together practitioners, entrepreneurs, marketers, artists, spiritualists, mentors, and students in an effort to create and connect to community, learn from each other, and grow. Today, I have with me my personal friend, Shweta, who I have known for quite some time, who I genuinely adore. I adore her sense of humor. I adore the way she shows up in the world. Shweta is a life coach that is current, has currently made the, the decision to pursue her own professional career while using life coach as a component of that professional career and a way to keep herself centered and on point in her regular life. So Shweta, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us how is it that you came to life coaching and what are some of the ways that you use life coaching in your other career? So I am a trained clinical psychologist from about 13 odd years ago. Um, I left clinical psychology because um, it was too full on for me. I didn't realize that studying something and applying something in real life can be that different. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it was a reality check um, that I wasn't expecting. So I had to get out of it very quickly because it took a toll on my mental health that I didn't mm. kind of anticipate at that time. Um, and what happened very quickly was um, the only other profession that I could get into at that time was IT because my then boyfriend, now husband, that was the only thing he could teach me. So that's where I got into. But um, I think 10 years on, I'm now a product owner, which is like a product manager um, in a very big insurance company. So um, yeah, that's been a journey in itself. And what I do now is, as you said, I have taken a break from life coaching um, as a career option. But what I do is I mentor a lot of young graduates at work um, from taking them through the transition from university into a job, how responsibilities um, actually kind of they're held to it they're accountable mm -hmm. and how to progress and how to set goals that are not too unrealistic or too sort of too easy mm -hmm. so we do um, we do like catch-up sessions every month and um, yeah I've, I've been helping them for the last three four years um, my own brush with um, sort of mental health issues was after I had my kids so last one was when I had my son about 18 months ago um, I had um, a very bad labor I, I don't think there's a good labor but <laughs> um, I think overall um, there was a point there um, that I didn't think I'd make it and um, after he was born um, I quickly realized that thankfully I was self-aware enough to know that this is not normal baby blues and that I needed CBT and when I got got the help from CBT um, it came I came to a point where I thought hang on this can't just be me you know I can't be feeling I can't be the only one feeling so lost after such a major change in life going from one kid to two kids and feeling all of that change um, just left me with a complete loss of self yeah and um, that's when um, through late night feeds and all of that time that I was awake, um, I started researching life coaching because I knew of it as a branch of um, self-help and self-improvement, but I'd never really got into it before. Mm -hmm. um, so I had this 
time and then I got um, I found Kane's course online, Kane Ramsey. <clears throat> I did the course and it was basically um, a journey that I took to kind of find myself again. And it worked really well with the CBT sessions I was having. So it came to a point where I found me and I found me in, in the chaos and change that was going on in my life. And that, that kind of, um, I suppose, was the turning point in going from loss of self to finding myself to then realizing that this is the link to psychology that I was craving for so long. Oh, wow. that I wasn't getting yeah then um yeah and then I met all of you guys and I've I've stuck through it I think I'm so glad that we did meet up you you bring up such an amazing point Shweta and that is that often life coaches come to these training courses like Kane Ramsey provides I think six different training courses in all kinds of different modalities and we dive into that and we just start eating it up like how can I be a better life coach and we fail to understand sometimes the miracle and the gold in that of how we ourselves can change as a result of participating in those modalities. So how has, you know, getting in, in deeply involved in CBT and working on some of your own issues and some of the things that you have had going on in your own life helped you to better mentor your students and your undergraduates at work? Um, I think from CBT and life coaching, one of the first things, um, that I realized very quickly was that I think in a very black and white way. Mm -hmm. so I will try very little because I know things will fail on the first go. Uh -huh. And um, this is sort of the trajectory that my life has followed because I was brought up by people who were perfectionists, who are perfectionists. So they're very, very good, but only at certain things. And these are things that they know. And these are things, um, and there are boundaries that they will not cross because they're aware that the first attempt is going to suck right so this is something that i realized very quickly is that what i was doing and i wanted to make sure that i didn't pass this on oh, to my kid. point and for me it is really hard to get into something knowing it's not going to be the way i want it to be so yeah. i always used to over prepare for presentations for an interview like this i would have um, on a, on a non-aware basis, I would have, I don't know, just looked through my notes, gone through all my lives and been very, very prepared. And then when it didn't go as I wanted it to, I would have just crashed. My yeah. expectation levels would have crashed, but now I've come to a point where I realize that it's okay. Trying and learning from that experience is fine. You're allowed to make a couple of mistakes you know, take a few stabs at something, it will probably not be the best version of it, but it will be something better than not having tried at all. Gotcha. I just want to let you know that um, Misty Flanagan is on and she's got Shweta all in caps and then Monique <laughs> Prinsloo came on and started tagging God in all creation with she's on on here. <laughs> so your, your fan club has arrived, lady. Hello everyone. So yeah, I think that is one of the main things that I try to get across to the graduates is that first job may work well, may not work well. Look at where I've gone from psychology, not knowing anything in IT to talking fairly technical things to um, a boardroom full of people. And it, yeah, it does scare me, but it's fine. Like 
you know, they're equally scared of me probably. Because, you know... Um, I would be. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're all strangers and there's a level of sort of um, uncertainty that we have about each other when we don't know each other. And it's the same way when you come into work. You don't know what the day is going to hold for you. But what you can control is your attitude to it and how you decide to approach it. And you can approach it as a problem or a challenge or as an opportunity to learn something else. And that control is completely yours. And once you realize this, everything is so, it's not easy, but it's much more doable. Yes. You know, than thinking I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to go from a graduate dev to a senior dev because there is just so much to do. Break it down into achievable chunks and you will get there. Maybe not in three years like someone else did, but in five years, but you'll get there if that's what you want to do. Along the way, you might realize this is not what I want to do. And that is fine as well. Yes. You know, because you can make your own path. That's really interesting, too, coming from somebody who is, you're a very driven person. You're driven professionally. You're driven to achieve and to ascend whatever it is that you set your eyes on. And it's so powerful to hear coming from somebody with that mindset that it's possible to let that go, that you don't have to hold on to that. And, well, this is my personality, that you can actually decide, I want to change, and that life coaching and CBT and NLP, these are all ways in which you can change those things that most of society is just like, well, it's my personality. Mm -hmm. That's really think, powerful. Yeah. I think what happens is you come to a point in life where if you don't change, you're going to break. Yeah. Right? You've got to learn to bend or you're going to break. And that's, that is something that I've had to learn because I was so set in my ways that I would really really hated if change happened in my life and the last 10 years have been nothing but change it's been constant and I've sort of and I, I'm married to someone who is very very flexible yes. so when the two of us clash is it is not a pretty picture and it, it just goes from so much of planning to no planning at all yeah. And then we had to come to a point where we've said, right, let's play by each other's strengths and plan a midway that we're both comfortable with. And to come to that point, it was either that or one of us would have walked out. So it's, it, it is learning. It is hard. It is very, very hard because I can almost always feel one part of my brain scream. No, you can't do this. <laughs> I've been there. And then, there, and then there is a grown-up part of the brain that goes, hang on, how can I make this work for myself? When I am aware of what I need changed, I can change it. it it's basically needs versus wants. Yes. What, what needs to prevail at what point has got to take priority over everything else. That is very true. And your, your story actually lends itself to one of our chief spiritual officer, Andrea Hendren's favorite analogies which is so a ship sinks to the bottom of the ocean and gets ripped apart and strewn all over the ocean and there's seaweed just staying staying through it the whole time while a ship is like the titanic is just getting moved miles along the floor of the ocean that seaweed just stays put because of its ability to adapt and to flex with whatever is coming its way and i know that 
you've talked to me before and to other people before about struggling with that inflexibility and needing to know how everything's going to go and have it planned out like 18 years in advance. So how has that idea of being seaweed instead of that huge, gigantic ship at the bottom of the ocean helped you not only professionally, but helped you with the people that you counsel and mentor? I think what it does, it gives me a better perspective. I'm learning to see their side of the world because what happens is when you're so inflexible, it's like you've got those blinders on like horses do, just focus on what's in front of you. And you forget that there's so much other stuff happening, you know, and then not one perspective is wrong. Mm -hmm. For a person like me, I always like to be right. I'm sorry, no, I love being right. (laughs) (laughs) If someone else is right, I got to be more right. Or, you know, so um, it's, it's like turning the dial on something. I just have to go more or less based on how someone else is responding to me. And I'm getting better and better at it. But there are some people, I call them my trigger people, who who can really just bring out, (laughs) I don't know, the primitive Shweta maybe. But, and at that point, I have to physically remove myself from the situation to kind of get back to where I need to be. And then go back and deal with it. And it's not just in personal life, it's also in professional life. And I do apologize to them and say, look, instead of me saying something really crap, it's best I get out of the room for five minutes and then come back to what we're dealing with. Because what you want is a conclusion to the meeting, not a personal problem with me. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's let's, so focus, yeah, let's focus on what's at hand. <laughs> And, and that's, that's how I've become seaweed, I think. That's, that's so, I just love listening to you talk about it. Because when I first got sober, I did what everybody says not to do, which is immediately get into a relationship. And in that relationship, because I'd been basically completely on the fringes of society for almost a decade, I had zero social skills. So we would get into conversations and I would just let my mouth fly over and over and over and over again. I still do it now, but I'll do it once every 10 years instead of once every 10 days. And somebody came to me and was like, you know, you do have the right to physically remove yourself from the situation. And that was like, as simple as that sounds, that was like a big aha for me that, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, if I just walked away, then that gives me the space to calm down and I don't say those things that I can't take back. Mm -hmm. And it's such a powerful lesson and it's something that all of us, even after you've grasped something that fundamentally integral to having positive, healthy relationships, you still make slips. You still definitely stay engaged in that conversation a lot longer than you should, but you learn to come back and clean up your mess after mm-hmm. like you were talking about. And you also convey to the people when you leave that, Hey, this, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you. I'm trying to not do something that's going to disrespect you a lot more if I stay seated. So yeah. I, I really love that. And it's so it's such a sign of maturity to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think it's also about taking responsibility is I take, even if I do slip up, I will apologize at that point and finish that loose end. Otherwise it's very easy to go, well, you said this and I said this, and this is why it's happened. Like point yeah. out the blame. 
and I don't do that anymore because I just feel like if I've done something, I'd rather take responsibility and move on because there's no point in just getting into that victim mode where everything's just dull and drab and gray. Indeed. Mo- Monique wanted you to know that she is more right. <laughs> <laughs> She's always stirring the pot, that lady. So how have you found that actually keeping yourself in a circle of life coaches helps you continue to develop on a personal level? I think <clears throat> I think I connect with most of you on Facebook. And since we're on there all the time, most <laughs> It's just what the edge, <laughs> just what the right company does to you. You know, you just, you just flourish and thrive. And you know that if there is something um, that you want to talk about, there's always someone there. Um, and with Nina, I always tell her, can I went for 10 minutes before you put your coaching hat on? Because her first question about it is, well, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, damn it, I want to went. <laughs> Not now, Nina. Not- no, exactly. So, um, so that, that's what happens is that you, you're constantly in a frame of mind that's promoting growth and that's just encourage. And it's very encouraging when people just take you for who you are, you stop pretending and stop trying to be someone else. And, you know, that's just very, very, very nice to have because what you do online, then you can start doing offline because it gives you that, um, push you know it really does yeah i love how you discussed that after getting involved in life coaching you realized that this was the connection that you were looking for in psychology because often currently right i mean right now in the world we're identifying in scientific studies that really the seat of addiction is a lack of connection it's a lack of that once where we feel seen and we feel heard. And often in psychology, the psychologist's hands are bound. And I know that Monique will probably be letting off a litany of comments here any second, but they're bound to keep, you know, that professional atmosphere. And then there's such a distance between you and your client and that ability to give that client connection on a human level that will really help them work through their issues kind of gets lost. And I love how life coaching really brings that back into the same arena of if you have a problem, let's connect, let's figure it out. Let me be that space that, that gets held for you so that you can identify what it is that you really need. Because I don't know about you, but I found that with all my clients, all their answers were already with them to begin with. Yep. And I think another good thing about life coaching versus psychology is the lack of labels yeah. I don't have to label you. I don't have to stereotype you. I just have to help you and yeah. basically help you help yourself. Because I don't want, I don't like being stereotyped. I don't want to be put in um, sort of because I check four out of five boxes on something. I don't become that thing. Right. Yeah. So why should I put someone else in that situation? If someone genuinely has a mental health issue yes they're they're free to go and seek the help they need but most of the times when i've had people come to me for help it's been something that they already know how to deal with it's just a matter of mapping it out or you know digging slightly deeper to understand why they have these limitations yeah and and i don't think you could do it 
without connecting. That's so true. And I personally am a veteran who's been diagnosed with PTSD. And I know that for me, every time I go to the VA and they want me to, to, to again, go through this long list, that's, I, that's in, it's a whole purpose is to quantify whether or not I'm still actively experiencing PTSD symptoms. And even if I wasn't before the questionnaire, I am by the end because I'm going through you know, when are you feeling this? How, you know, and by the end, you're just like, oh my God, and you get so uptight again. And I love, like you said, how life coaching isn't about, hey, I need to quantify this so I can bill an insurance company. It's about, I need to hear you. I need to hear what you're saying. I need to understand. And then just show up and listen. Yeah. That's so powerful because we do so much of that labeling and, and it's kind of like a Russian nesting doll. We're inside the self and then right outside of that is the race and then the religion and then the, you know, and we end up this tiny little thing inside this huge wooden mass of our labels and we wonder why we can't connect. Yeah. And it's, I think what happens is you also come from different experiences and yeah. when I don't, as a psychologist, I can't connect with your experience. I'm just going to have, and even if I can, I'm not allowed to say those things. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't say, oh my God, no psychologist is ever going to say, hey, I had PTSD after I had my son. No one's going to do that because that, that's crossing a boundary right there. Yeah. No, I'm just going to listen to you and go, okay, okay, okay. And that's it. But as a life coach, someone can easily, you know, we share experiences whilst it's not encouraged. But if there is a point, that you can convey through your message, then we do connect on that level where we say, yes, I've been through this before and this is how I came out of it. And in fact, that's often how we affect the most powerful change in our client's life is just by being able to say, hey, I've been where you've been and I know what that feels like. Yeah. And yeah. it's so powerful to be, it's powerful to do that as a life coach. It's just as powerful to do it in your everyday life. Like mm -hmm. my being able to say to my sister that I understand something that she's going through and showing up for her and being that person that's like, Hey, I get that this hurts. How can I help? And to me, life coaching is more based in the original principles of most of the religions on earth than a lot of the professions designed to help mm -hmm. get us to helping each other. Yeah. Cause it's just got that really simple process of connecting. Yeah. So just in closing, Shweta, if you were to be given the opportunity to give advice to a viewer who's struggling right now with making ends meet with life coaching and is looking at having to, you know, stay in the corporate world mm -hmm. and still pursue their dream of life coaching, what's one small piece of advice that you would give them for how they can hold on to that life coaching component and even make their career thrive by implementing it? I, I personally think that if you want to have a, a corporate job, life coaching is one of the best things you can have is because it might be a dead end job for so many of your colleagues who are just looking to con connect and just be heard that it will give you the practice and the experience to do it for as long as you need to have this job of yours. Um, and it's, you know, if you have to prioritize your needs versus wants, and if the job is what you need right now, then the best thing to do is start mentoring people because yeah. you're going to get paid just as much money and, you know, 
it will it will just help you keep that connection with life coaching as well because it's got everything in there um and no one's going to ask for money back because you won't be taking any money so <laughs> you don't feel bad if you do screw up a couple of times before you get it right and yeah you know just connect with other like minded people there is there's no need for a corporate job to become the end of it all oh, it's such good advice in the in the whole journey well shweta thank you so much for coming on and letting me interview you today i, I really believe that you have a powerful message that other life coaches can benefit from in that how do we take this and use it beyond just a session? How can we improve our lives? How can we improve our workplaces? So thank you for agreeing to come on and sharing that message with our viewers. To our viewers, to Sandra, to Ashley, to Shapam, I hope I pronounced that correctly, sir. To Becky Stokes, to Monique, to Andrea Hendren, thank all of you for showing up and giving us your time and your attention. If you catch this video after we're no longer live, just drop us a hashtag replay. Let us know that we, that you were here. If you're interested in connecting with Shweta, both her Instagram account and her personal Facebook profile are tagged in this video. Hook up with her, get some advice, let her mentor you. If you're trying to figure out how to get back into the corporate world and not have your heart die underneath the weight of that soul-sucking environment. Swetha is an excellent person to connect with who can bring levity and maturity into any situation that you might need to discuss. So again, guys, thank you for watching. Swetha, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye. And as always, guys, you know I love you. See you tomorrow, same place, same time.